0: The Literary License Podcast, and today we're interviewing Ellen Foley, who is an actress and singer, and amongst other things, she's also a lot of people don't know a Broadway actress as well, and uh, has done a lot of theater, and has done films and television. Hello, Ellen. Welcome to the Literary License Podcast.
1: Thank you very much, Keith and Vicky. Lovely to be here. Thank you. Now I
0: thought, now I thought that we would start out with your own film and television career. And I have to sit there and say that I was never more excited than when I saw the movie Hair. And you're singing with Lori Beachman, a Broadway legend at the time. Yes. Singing Black Boys. Yes. What was that like working with uh, Miles Foreman?
1: Yeah, I tell you, I always say that that was one of the highlights of my life and times. We were, you know, in, in... Central Park, and it was a beautiful day. In this band shell, wearing cool clothes, having hair out to here, and yeah. uh, and uh, with Milos. But it, the Twila Tharp thing was the coolest uh, element of it because she <clears throat> choreographed it, and we and these gorgeous black guys playing basketball around us. It was just, it was just thrilling. It really was, boy, that you started with that moment is invigorating.
0: <laughs> well, I had to mm-hmm. say that I remember when I saw hair and I was I'm a big fan of yours too to, I liked your solo work and stuff like that. And then um, I remember it's like, I'm watching hair and I'm really enjoying it because there's a lot of, if you're familiar with like Broadway and all these Broadway actors and stuff like there's like, there's like, there's always something to see. There's always someone popping up like Annie Golden or Melba Moore and Laurie right. of course. And then, and then three
1: then- Williams and uh, John Savage all Broadway people, yeah, yeah.
0: And then, like we watching, you know, it's like Nell Carter comes on. And you're like, where, did she, where does she come from? Or Charlotte Ray? And then, and then I remember, like, watching, it also, and I was like, you came on. I'm like,
1: oh my god! I know <laughs> it was amazing, wasn't it? I need to watch it again. I just thought it was such a great how they they opened up uh, the play to make it a, a real story. I th- and mm-hmm. and the ending of it was just heartbreaking. It, I thought it was mm-hmm. fantastic. I was really proud to be a part of that
0: I mean you know it's quite interesting because in 1977 you got to play Sheila and um, at the Biltmore theater um, mm-hmm. on Broadway in the in the cast of hair so
1: right and it was pretty much happening simultaneously you know with the movie was happening the same time as we were doing the revival of hair. But
2: I went really crazy and I
3: went clearly crazy because I really crave a-
0: Treats. Now, I think a lot of people don't know this, but you were the original The Witch in, into the Woods before yeah. that Peters took over. Uh-huh. What, was, uh, what was that like working with Stephen Sondheim? Because you were actually doing the um, what's it called? we doing the playhouse. So you're basically there, as he's putting the whole show together. You're involved in that whole. Uh, yes,
1: we were. We were out at La Jolla. Um, no, not La Jolla. Anyway, in San Diego. Uh, and um, yeah, it was amazing. I mean, I got to stand there and work on the song with with Stephen Sondheim, and I tell you, man, that was a part I could have done forever and ever because you really got to just chew the scenery in in, in that and um, and the song "Children Will Listen," which is a song mm-hmm. I went on to do a lot afterwards. I mean, just just one of those. Just heart-wrenching songs especially after I had kids which I did you know practically right after I did the Into the Woods so that was still fresh and I would sing the song but you know it was a blast but and what a part when somebody said one of the um one of the producers said you know you're you're like a female Mick Jagger I said well that's that's what I wanted to be my whole life so thank you for
4: that. Yeah, they said S- Sondheim said you were his favorite witch and he called you his Alpha and Omega.
1: Yes, he did. Yeah, boy. Because that he wrote that in my, you know, he, the, when when the show closed. Unfortunately, you know, I did it in San Diego then I came back and it was the end of the run. So I didn't get to do it that long. And so I did it the beginning and the end. So he, uh, he they gave us scores on the closing night and he Said, You're my Alpha and my Omega. I mean, how amazing is that, right? Right. Well, you also Did got have- the rap
0: as well. I mean, beans, beans, oh, yes. and nothing but beans. beans. <laughs>
1: yes. Oh, my God. You know, sometimes I rem- I try to remember that and I don't. I need to go back. But I mean, to think that in my life, I, I you know, had uh, Steven Sondheim and Jim Steinman, these two geniuses in two different genres, as it were, it's pretty cool. Uh-huh, and I did, but, yeah. Hair, me and my girl. So and it I shows you what kind of... Mission. And into the woods, yeah.
0: Yeah, so you did, I mean, so it tells you what kind of a range you have. Quite um, a bit.
4: For, you have a huge range, yeah. diverse. My
1: goodness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's that's one of the things. It's like, uh, so I, I hopped around uh, you're so much. How was <laughs> I
2: defined?
0: <laughs> well, you also did, um, I mean, your first... Rec- recording was that um with Jim Steinman and Meatloaf and Paradise by Dashboard Light was that your yes. first um recording?
1: First time I was and ever. How did record- that come about? I was in a, a a tour of the National Lampoon Show with them. How'd you like uh, that? The National
4: Lampoon Show?
1: Oh, it was crazy. You know, it was uh, um very you know satirical and and irreverent and. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> You know, in in one sketch, I played a blind girl who was like Mary Tyler Moore, and she was so cheerful and happy all the time. You know, she threw up her hat, and she was blind because she she couldn't catch it. And Meatloaf was my boyfriend, but he would come in and pretend to be my dog and hump my leg, you know, stuff stuff like that. And so, you know, on the road doing that, and, and Simon actually came on the road uh, to be, you know, to be with me because he was, uh, he was writing the songs. So, um, you know, there I was uh, uh, at the right place in the right time. Steinman loved my voice and, um, and I was able to uh, be, be involved with it in with the Paradise song mainly.
4: I read that you said that stop right there were the three words that changed your life because you were traveling around in a blue van driving around the country.
1: Yes. Yeah, well yes, I I said that, you know, when Jim died, I I wrote a little eulogy saying that, you know, stop right there, did change my change my life, you know. It it really, you know, gave me a jump start on my recording career. It became this this, you know, worldwide sensation. I mean, you know, it's it, it was it's just very a lucky uh Coming together with somebody, absolutely.
4: It's so hard to get into rock and roll. I mean, it...
1: exactly. And I, 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 got into it kind of immediately. It was amazing.
4: Well deserved.
0: I mean, I find that Jim Steinman. Um, you know, when you do follow, you know, his career and you follow, um. You know, the way that, you know, when he's, when he's doing, when he's recording his own own music with various artists and stuff like this, there is kind of a family atmosphere. He tends to use the same people over and over. Yeah. I know that um, you went on to do Pandora's Box with him, which is an album that should have done better. But I think it was something that the records, I don't think the record studios or the, the record companies knew what to do with it. Right. Thing, because... It had, you know, I don't know um, why,
1: I don't know why exactly different artists, all, you know, women, fantastic singers, you know, I don't really know Mm. the history of what happened to it. I think there are places in the world where, where people paid attention to it, but yeah, Yeah. you know, and it had the great Steinman songs. He probably, I don't know, used those, recycled them, you know, gave them to Celine Dion or something. (laughs) And made a million bucks off it, you know, for all I know.
0: Yeah, I mean, you got to do um, My Little Red Book, which is a Burt Baccarat number done to the Jim Steinman production. Right. And of course, um, The Doors Song as well. Um, what was that called? Um sorry, my brain just died.
1: Yeah, I, but, I, I um, Yeah, but the, the best thing I got to do, I got to do the one ad, the one ad, which. That's what I was. Yeah, which was in in this Neverland play uh, where where I got to sing Heaven Can Wait. It was in 19, and the one ad is just killer. So to have that down on I mean, a record is cool.
0: I have to say with the want ad, I have a lot of um, actress friends, and um, they go, oh, I'm looking for an audition. I go do the want ad. And every time they've done the want ad, they they get they end up getting like callbacks or you know almost you know most of them do get the job as well. So oh
1: you know I never thought of doing it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I mean you know I also have to sit there and say that um, it's quite hard to show emotion and stuff like this on a recording. But with the want ad, you do a fantastic voice because you can feel the empathy and the anger and the and the you know, the destitute and the frustration and, and the, everything. Yeah. And he, he, you're able to do all that. The Regret,
4: emotion is yeah. so condensed into all of it. I mean, just all the lyrics.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's a relatively short piece and you go, you know, from one place, you know, to all this anger and, you know, you are be able to spew all these, these horrific things that happen. And then it ends with a joke, you know, kind of has everything it has something for everybody right i guess i gotta go when i get off the phone i am gonna i'm gonna put uh pandora's box on spotify and i'm gonna listen to it because you know i'm one of those people i you know i'm a terrible archivist for my own stuff you know you don't go back and really listen to it Mm -hmm. you know but so that i would like to hear i'm gonna do that This is addressed to all the people who answered or may be thinking of answering the personal ad I placed in volume 2, number 15 of this
3: newspaper, two weeks ago Friday. First, my apologies to the huge bartender with a voice and the light-hearted, dark-skinned advertising man. If either of you had called me back, I might not be writing this retraction of my ad, even though I will soon be too busy to date much. But why didn't you call back?
1: But to the others, which include the two terrifying sisters the under-18s and the over-60s, the numerous ones who dialed my number and hung up as soon as I said hello, the 35 or 40 of you who made dates with me and never showed up, including the one who complained his body was so powerful he couldn't control it. Yeah, so- it's,
0: I mean, it's a, it's a great album. Um, now, did you, now, you did appear in one of the music videos, briefly, where the good girls go to heaven but the bad girls go everywhere. Right. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of bizarre because I had Holly Sherwood because that that's one of his. Jim Simon always brought Holly Sherwood in every once in a while.
1: But. Yeah, yeah, but she <laughs> but, never. She was, I guess she's. A, you know, I don't even know Holly. But as I was looking at some some articles and things recently about Jim, she's all over the place. But was she mainly a studio singer that sang backup, or then or then he had her do demos, or I'm, I don't even.
0: We had to do like Streets of Fire. She's the voice of Diane Lane in the right. Jim Steinman songs. Oh. She's a high voice in the Bonnie Tyler Fast and Speed of Night, the girl who has the high singing. But oh. I mean, from what I can find out about her, she started out her career as a young girl with Ethel Merman in Annie Get Your Gun on Broadway. That's what oh, she's no Oh, no
1: kidding. Oh, my that. God.
0: So, yeah, but she, she's, she's a hard one to track down that one. So, But, um, but now, did you when they were recording um pandora's box did they like bring you in and you just did your part and did you meet anyone else or
1: well i knew i knew some one of the women uh i was in a show with laura she had like a janice joplin voice she we were in the show beehive off broadway and Mm. i knew elaine and uh you know, it was kind of a it was kind of a, a fun, clubby thing, but nobody really did you know sang together because they were all individual, individual parts. And of course, Todd was there when I you know he was producing, so it's great to see him again. And Jim, you know, I would say that was the last real time I spent any 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 real time with uh, with Jim. Mm-hmm. You know, well, because that- yeah.
0: Well, I mean, the last um, Jim Steinman song that you actually recorded was actually with Carla DeVito in the Last Meatloaf album, wasn't it? Um, Braver, but, but but Jim Steinman wasn't involved in the. No, he was he
1: wasn't. But you know, you're right. It was it was his song, so he was there. He's always there. I mean, because mm-hmm. of like the um, the uh, uh, permanence of that song in the you know, in the consciousness, you know, Jim is always always there in my life, you know, no matter how how long it was and that I, I didn't see him and yeah. I read somewhere that you
4: said that he was born fully formed.
1: <laughs> yeah. I yeah, I do think so. Um he he didn't you know he didn't, you know, come out and, and write, you know, nice songs or then grow into this, you know, knowing how to do this monstrous thing. Uh, you know, he, 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 in college, you know, that all these songs were just there. And, you know, he had to been, been like a, a, a wild, uh, guy who was nothing like anybody else, I'm sure, growing up, because you don't just end, turn out like that. So, yeah, I, 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 you know, he, he had a lot of strong influences, but he took those influences and just mm-hmm. formed Jim Steinman.
4: I heard that he liked to feed everybody too. He was into food.
1: <laughs> yes, very into food. He took me to, uh, twice with a group of people to Lutes, which isn't there anymore. This, this guy, Andre Solter, like the, the, the most, uh, important, you know, four star Michelin restaurant in New York for a oh, long so. time. And, you know, and of course, there was always a lot of food in the studio, but it wasn't just like, uh, Ordering from the coffee shop down the street, he would have restaurants like Lutes and all these 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 amazing places delivered to him in the studio. Amazing. He spent a lot of money. So these people were not unhappy to serve him. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, the interesting about Jim Steinman that I find very interesting, the reason why I've always been a fan of his is that like Stephen Sondheim, he's able to spin a story with the most fantastic wording and lyricism at the same time by having fantastic uh, musicality going on with it. And it's very rare that you kind of get that. Sometimes you'll get like a great lyricist. Sometimes you'll get a great person who can write songs. But it's very rare that you're able to blend those two to something that was something as unique as Stephen's. um. Right or Jim Steinman so
1: you know and you know, uh, know. You know there there was basically no collaboration uh Ooh. with either of those guys and um so it was about it was about the the personality one person who who was that art mm. yeah and every
0: and every song is a um, a mini opera really i mean every, yeah. every, it, it starts it starts off the character being this way it goes from point a goes through and by the end of it you have the end of the story and you've gone on a journey with every song i mean some (laughs) songs basically you know you do have 10 minutes to get on with that story but (laughs) you have that story and but it's and yeah it's like teenage angst but there's always a cautionary tale like i always i mean paradise by dashboard light i know that people look at it you know it's this but for me it's a cautionary tale because the simple thing is like You know, be careful what you wish for, because if you get it, you might not. It doesn't necessarily mean you can have happiness by the end of it. Uh
4: Lots of regret in that song. Right. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, I'm stuck with you till the end of time. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what happened to a lot of
0: it's, and, it's and that's what happened bit. to a lot of um a lot of parents. A lot of uh, you know a lot of our parents is like, well, I mean, I'm the reason why my parents got married because there was a paradise. You know, that
1: uh, they basically yeah, they went to
0: an Elvis Presley double feature, the Drive In, and I came along nine months later. So.
1: Really? Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. a great. You know, that's that probably, funny. You
4: tell me that before.
1: <laughs> that probably informs your love of rock and roll. You know,
0: there you go. That's right. Well, I was born on his birthday, and luckily, my mom, I was. A hard, hard birth and luckily she's so much on drugs that she didn't realize what day I was born so I, I if she realized my name would have been Elvis so I kind of <laughs> I skipped past that one so I, I'm lucky you so.
1: dodged that bullet right <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I
0: dodged that one I would have loved that though <laughs> now Jim Simon um, produced an album with Ian, uh, Ian Hunter all the good all the good ones talking but then Ian Hunter actually produced your first album Night Out so what was, wasn't uh, what it, was it called? Like?
1: yeah wasn't it called All the Good Ones Are Taken
0: all the good ones are taken. Sorry. Right.
1: yes. Yes. And yes, Ian Hunter produced with Mick Ronson, my first album.
0: Yeah. What was it like putting your first album together?
1: Well, you know, I, uh, I took a long time finding songs, you know, um, on, on my own and, uh, and then I was able, you know, to take the time, you know, um, Steve Popovich, the guy whose record company it was, Cleveland International, you know, managed me, you know, put me in the studio with, uh, this band called The Boys from Illinois. We, uh, we went out, uh, to Illinois and did some stuff. And then, you know, had, had, had the luxury of time, uh, with Ian and Mick went and kind of tried it out and, um, you know, found that there was a, a, a good, uh, Synergy there, so yeah. I mean, uh, a lot of the songs were ones that I found and picked out through doing a lot of research. You know, for for at least I would say a year or so, and before I was uh, in the studio or or doing doing anything. And then I wrote uh, I wrote this song. You know, the song that was actually the biggest song; it was a hit. You know, and a few, many, few countries in Europe uh, we belong to the night I wrote with mm-hmm. a guy named Fred Goodman you know so that that song. that song was there such a beautiful that was, song it is you know and uh, that was a sort of a continuation of, of the style the the Phil Spector kind of big sound you know that that, that Steinman Steinman did you know
0: then you got to work with the clash um on yeah. you know one of the clash's biggest albums actually that kind of sent them over the top yeah but then you then you actually got to work with joe Strummer on the spirit of st louis which is a really interesting album i really like that it's kind of very artistic and it kind of it doesn't fit its time period it's kind of a timeless album for me i noticed yeah um, so, well that
1: was that was the problem that it didn't it didn't fit the uh, it was it was Joe Strummer and Mick Jones. They wrote this, most of the songs, but you know it was uh, it it was sort of a a neo cabaret kind of uh, record. You know, it wasn't a rock and roll record. And I had just come out with one record before that, and all of a sudden it was like clunk into a whole different genre. So, you know, people didn't quite get on board with it you know but mm-hmm. it was interesting
0: yeah yeah i have to sit there i actually really like that album um because you know i have a lot of your songs on a playlist with other people sort of stuff and i have to sit there and say when those songs come on it's kind of like i mean i'm i'm a fan of Joe Strummer, and i mean one of my favorite songs is love kills from the sit and nancy soundtrack that he did mm-hmm. but um but then when i and then but what i do hear spirit of State, um you know the spirit of St. Louis. I have to sit there and say that it's like it's so different from that what they uh, what they've done before. I have to yes. say, it's, and I think that it, I, mean, I think it's one of those things that you know that uh, something that people should probably rediscover because it does have that you know that feeling and the pathos and the empathy that is involved in all the songs. And they do mm-hmm. and they each, everything takes you on a journey. That's what I quite like
1: yeah well maybe you know if people start paying attention to this new album you know the the catalog will will get some attention that would be fun
0: then your third album of course was another breath from in 1983 um so and you got to actually work with ellie greenwich and that one
1: yeah you know i got i spent a lot of time at ellie greenwich's apartment uh also ordering food on a regular basis <laughs> <laughs> and uh with her then her writing partner a guy named jeff kent and uh you know we came up uh I, I track. I think it's the first track on that album, "Boys Boys in the Attic," and that's a very typical kind of Ellie Greenwich thing. And that that was so much fun. I love that. And then uh, the song "Keep It Confidential," which is on my album, but that uh, Nona Hendricks also recorded. Oh, wow. I wrote that. Mm-hmm. I wrote that with the two of them. Mm-hmm.
0: I have to say, Ellie Greenwich. I mean, what was it like working with her? Because I mean, she is basically an icon. Nineteen sixty girl group icon.
1: Yeah, she is. Um, you know. She was wonderful. You know, she was. Um, she kind of liked to stay in her her home. You know, she was at a point where you know she wasn't going anywhere. You came to her, which was fine. Uh, and and she she was. Of great humor, but very totally professional, you know, was really knew how to craft a song, but very kind, you know, I mean, I was pretty young, you know, so she, she was very maternal, you felt very, very comfortable and safe around Ellie.
0: I I mean, a couple years later, she would tell her life story on Broadway, and we actually um, interviewed Dinah Manoff, who did Leader of the Pack.
1: I know, I know.
0: and they did what Keep It Confidential she put into that musical as well which um, she got we had Darlene Love singing it this time around so I
1: know yes that song that song had a life which is nice
0: But you also got to work with Desmond Child, who actually um, would actually do a lot of work with some of Jim Steinman's, um, you know, Bonnie Tyler, um, the Bonnie Tyler albums, of course, the, the second yeah. album. Desmond Child wrote a couple songs for that album. What was he like working? Because he, he, he's like a singer-songwriter, but he also had his group at the same time, around around the same time. Was it Desmond Child and Rouge, was it? And Rouge,
1: time? which, you know, that that was, you know, before all this, they were, you know, they were like a cabaret act. They would play down at Reno Sweeney, which was like the place. Anyway, they were around the whole cabaret scene. And, you know, I knew Desmond that way. And then, my God, he, you know, he he went off to wherever it is. He went off to Hollywood and, and just blew up, you know, had all those, those big hits. Didn't he sing, uh, La Vida Loca? I mean, write La Vida Loca. Yeah.
0: He wrote that yeah. And he also, um, yeah, I mean, he's had a huge career and he's written yeah. some of the big And he was, you know, big, he, songs, he, so.
1: he was, he was a great guy. You know, we spent a, a short period of time together and then, um, he brought me in to do some vocals on, remember he did, he did with James Brown, living in America. Yeah. Living in America. (laughs) So I went in the studio and did some work with him on that. And he just had hilarious stories about James Brown, about them having to, (laughs) to hold up cue cards, you know, for him. And yet, as you can imagine, James Brown didn't stand still. So having to run after him with cue cards. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and and sort of the extremity of his personality. So, um, so yeah, he was uh, he was great. That's
0: excellent. And then you did an album called "About Time" in two thousand thirteen. What was your experiences on the release of that and putting that album together?
1: Um, well, it was with uh, Paul Faglino, who who wrote the songs on this new album. And he and I, you know, had met doing a show, actually. He wrote the music for a show at down at La Mama in, in New York uh, called Hercules in High Suburbia. We got to know each other there. We decided to put a band together. He wrote all these songs. We, we played in clubs for a couple of years doing the material. And then we recorded it. And... Um, you know, it, it, we didn't, like right now, I think you were probably in touch with Randy Haker, who is my publicist, mm-hmm. and I mean, who just does an amazing job, usually have to run after people, but he runs after us and saying, listen, you got to do this and this and this, and so it's a totally different experience, I didn't have any I, I hired somebody who did nothing and wasn't very nice on top of it. Um, and, and so there was no support and Paul and I didn't know what to do. And, you know, when there's no record company, you know, your first experience with that. So, um, but then I started going over to Belgium and, and working a lot. So I sang a lot of that material and, uh, got, got some, um, you know, uh, some exposure over there. And uh, so anyway, it was fine. But it, the experience of that and I think mm. what happened to it is not as positive as what we're uh, we're seeing right now with this new album, which I mm. think I think is great. And people seem to love it.
0: Mm. Um what i need to do is i'm going to backtrack just a little bit but i just just so our listeners know that you were actually the guiding vocal on totally eclipse of the heart for bonnie tyler yeah <laughs> <So>. yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> please amazing. you don't have to remind me of that <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like Steiner was going to produce a record for me and then it didn't happen you know so that would have been on my album but you know it's another one of those things you can't you can't count, you can't dwell on because no. so what, you know? Every yeah. everything you do in your life or don't do just takes you where you are at this I moment. Exactly. I have a good life. To wipe the
3: tears from your eyes.
0: I mean, it's, it's quite, I think it's quite fantastic that Carla DeVito's on that song with you, considering that she actually had to mind to you during the video of Paradise. By Last
4: I know Bye. you know yeah. I never knew that <laughs> until I started. Me and Keith were talking about the interview. I never knew that she lips that she was lip syncing here, but I've never known that and in the entire years. I know the whole album by heart, I love it, yeah. But yeah. I never knew that, never, yeah.
1: Knew that. Okay, well. It's true. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and it just I I just was like, wow, you know, and talk about learning something new every
1: day. And yes. That's so, that's you, like- so you thought that was her singing. So so you know, through the years I was I was kind of like Carla Devito, you know. Well, because- we knew. I knew it was. I knew that you
4: were the original artist, but I just, right. I, I just, like, God, you know, she, she does it well too, you know. <laughs> it's- <laughs> but uh- <laughs> it's just like, what do you say? I mean, I, that was just a real moment. It's like, <laughs> wow, they right. did that.
1: I was, I was. Did you not want to go on the road with Meatloaf? Or no, I didn't. I mean, you know, at that time, I was. You know that was the, like around the time the hair movie was made, and i was doing you're already busy I was on Broadway, and then you know I had the opportunity to get a uh, to 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 get a record deal and all that so yeah i did i, I was doing stuff on my own, so i didn't mm-hmm. i you didn't want to go a, a
4: wonderful voice though i'm just it's the range and it just it's just amazing all the all the all the things you you, you had such a diverse career and uh-huh. You've had a well, wonderful career, and you're still continuing to do so, which makes fans happy. So,
1: thank you. Yeah, I hope so.
0: Well, I have to there to say that it is quite funny because, of course, you had the first video of "Paradise" by Dashboard Light. Then you had the second video that they did because I think it was part of a movie with Steve Martin in it, and they got someone else miming to your voice again. I, and it's,
1: it's like, it's like, oh, <laughs> oh, on "Paradise."
0: Yeah, Paradise. Oh, yeah, yeah. seen that
1: movie? Oh, okay. Yeah,
0: and so they did. So they did, you know, one of those movie yeah. tie-ins. You so Meatloaf comes back and he's dressed up in his Rocky Horror gear and a couple yeah. other characters, and then okay. they have some blonde woman um, doing the, um, yeah. miming to your voice again. So God, gotcha. so, uh, okay. So. Good. Well, I mean, you know, the good thing about doing your own music is that, you know, when you do your own music like you're doing now, I mean, it's going to be, you know, at least you have control over who's mine. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
4: Uh, Artistic license.
1: I'm going to find a gorgeous uh, 16 year old and have her do it and tell everybody it's (laughs) new, Right?
0: Well, That'll be good. didn't the Weather Girls do that with um, "Ride On Time" by Black Box? And go to "Ride On Time," and it's actually one of the Weather Girls who's doing the vocal. And they had like this, this skinny black model. 6 oh,
1: okay, I love those. I love those Weather Girls. It's raining men, and they did that themselves, which it was so great the, seeing those girls up there.
0: Well, Millie Vanilli had a whole career of it, so
1: <laughs> God. I'm thinking for them. that got that got sort of nipped in the bud that was a sad story that guy killed himself
0: i know know. one of those guys anyone a grammy (laughs) i know go figure
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah
0: now the new album um is also um it's quite interesting that the way you were um that you put it together would you i mean considering that how you've traditionally put albums together in the past, and now you have this, that you actually were able to record it in your own home and have it put together this way. What, what was that experience like? Did you like that experience having been, been being in a recording studio or. Are you- I did,
1: you know, I'm at the, I'm at the point where if I don't have to leave my house, I'm perfectly happy, you know, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. everything
4: that's <laughs> gone on the last year. I don't blame you. Right. You know,
1: and uh um, I don't care no, I, it was fine you I enjoyed it a lot I enjoyed it a lot I don't care about
3: the bridges that you burned I don't care how many steps you covered in recovery That don't matter to me I know that you
0: I'm at that age. Now when I look at people, I just kind of shake my head and
4: uh, <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, I know.
0: My grandmother always says that ignorance is bliss. There's a lot of happy people in the world. So, <laughs> so, um, so um, what um, can you tell us when the album's going to be
1: released? Um, uh, August 6th. Oh, we thanks. have, we, we had the, the um, I'm just happy to be here single and then another single <laughs> Is coming out uh, in July. I want to say July seventh. Called um, "Are You Good Enough," and then the whole uh, the whole album will be coming out uh, in August. Are you guys in London? I'm in Dallas. I'm in, in London. London. Oh, you're in London. Okay, I wasn't sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm in London. You actually, um, you actually have a good following here in London. Actually, people. Yeah, know I mean, you I, like I you that, know,
1: so. if if I could get some somebody to book me, I would love to play over there. You know, if I, cause I'm supposed to do these gigs in Holland, I have this great band, this Belgian band and, you know, uh, around this record to be able to, to come over there would be cool. I want to try to dig up somebody to, to get me booked over there, you know? Oh, do yeah. you, uh, know will you, will you do because
4: they keep canceling my tickets. I was going to go with her and my daughter and visit and they canceled my tickets again.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. I, uh, my gigs have been canceled three times now. Believe me, I know.
0: Well, you actually were speaking to um, E.G. Daly um, a couple of weeks ago, um, the actress who's a singer and songwriter and so on and so forth. Or Elizabeth Daly, depending on what you know her from. But she was sitting there saying that um, what she's been doing now is she's actually got to the point where she actually to, like direct own videos and everything yeah, like this to promote her music and sort of thing and uh-huh. giving herself a U- like, And she's finding that she's giving herself a youtube presence is actually helping with any new music that it, she's yeah out. it does it's helping with the market yeah, yeah.
1: and spotify you know uh-huh. we're doing the spotify thing and i think okay. i think maybe there's you know audio youtube but i don't know um
0: well, we're, all, we're, on we're on we're on audio. We're on audio YouTube on YouTube. Right,
1: so. sure, yeah, yeah. On you, oh, you're on YouTube.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're on okay. so many platforms. I don't know what we're on at the moment. So one thing I can't but, um, let
1: you go without before before I forget.
4: I loved you on Night Court. I absolutely loved you and John Larroquette getting after each other. It was hysterical. I laughed. My father and mother still remember you. They. Oh, uh, that
1: well, that's great. That's great. It was
4: the, you got. You were just. Excellent on there, and just like I was so I liked murky post but I liked you better. Thank you. I'll take that.
1: I'll take that. <laughs> okay, you guys. For some reason, I'm running out of battery here. This is weird. That's okay.
0: No, that's no problem. So, um, what we'll do is, um want to thank you for joining the Literary License yes. Podcast. Thank you for um, sharing your new album with us, and thank you for sharing your um, memories and your work yeah. with us. Thank
4: you so much for taking the time for us. It really, thank is you fun. for
1: having me.
0: And we'll be listening to that new album when it's out on the 6th of August. Okay. We'll we'll share your
4: links as well.
1: Please, please do. You have a good Heaven can wait
3: And a band of angels Wrapped up in Lonely in- without fear. Without pain, without fear yeah